Steve. Happy Monday. <laughs> Happy Monday to you, man. How's uh, it going? Uh, it's going good, man. It's uh, spring. I'm just excited that there's decent weather again. Yeah, absolutely. Now doing some camping, doing some turkey hunting here. Just excited. Yeah. Um. So in this Monday minute, we just wanted to actually talk about EXO a little bit, which isn't something we do a ton, and uh, that's a good thing from the podcast perspective. It's fun to see reviews and go, yeah, they like the guys that run this podcast are from EXO Mount Gear, but it's not a big commercial, and that's something that truly we value and appreciate. But um, we have some new stuff coming, and we, so we just wanted to to begin to talk about that a little bit, and then at the same time, a question. That's come up a lot just because, Steve, I don't think we've talked necessarily about the background of us or the background of EXO maybe since episode one. And so if you think about the number of episodes in between there and then the number of new listeners, a lot of guys might not fully have a good picture for who we are, what we do, and all that. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let's do it. Um, The background of... Exo Mountain Gear is pretty interesting in the sense that you, as one of the co-founders, didn't set out to start a company to start a company. So, like, why did Exo come into existence? Yeah, so it was um, Lenny Nelson and I just, you know, uh, had met, uh, actually met at a trade show. I was running a booth for SNS Archery and ran into this dude, and we just kind of started chatting and talking about hunting and found out we both like were mountain bike racing and we had a bunch of stuff in common and long long story short we ended up hunting together that year because we were both uh backpacking solo we couldn't find anybody you know stupid enough to do that with us uh so we started hunting together and uh, i think both lenny and i are both very uh analytical on our gear you know we're we're constantly kind of take being a gear nut to the to the next level and really talk about like you know, when we're wearing packs, design and things like that, or our shelters or just, just really anything we're using, we're always kind of, you know, buying and testing gear and seeing what worked for us and what didn't. And packs was definitely the one that popped up pretty consistently that we just had issues with. There wasn't, I'm talking 2009, 2010, uh, a lot's changed in the pack market since then. But at that time, there wasn't really a lot of packs out there that were like specifically designed for a backcountry hunter, right? Like you, you had your uh, pack frame kind of your traditional something to, to pack meat out and then you had more of a very light framed day pack that was just good for carrying your food and water and spine scope or something and you know we're constantly trying to find a pack that that was designed specifically for what we we're doing it didn't really exist and and that led us to you know probably over the process of uh three four years just really talking about it and i think it was early you know, I think 2014 or two, sorry, 2012, uh, that fall, we really started talking about it heavily, but you don't even know where to start, right? Like we, we have no design experience, no sewing experience, don't know anything. And so it was just kind of like, oh, this would be nice. We should take this serious, but how the heck are we going to get it done? Lenny's got a full-time job. He's got a one-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm, I, I'm busy as all get out running SNS archery. You know, that was at the time, um, still pretty young company and growing pretty fast. And, uh, so I think they like January, late January, February of 2013, we were looking at ordering a pack from another company 
and then just decided, you know what, screw this, let's just do this, let's figure this out, let's let's take that step off the cliff and see where we land, because you, you just never know. You could fall smack down on your face, or you could uh, end up coming up with something pretty cool. So it took us, uh, Lenny actually knew uh, a guy who was designing uh, tactical um, pistols, or pistol holsters, and, and he reached out to him and started asking questions about sewing, sewing in the U.S. versus sewing overseas, guy connected us with the sew shop we went down to the sew shop had a meeting and i was kind of like okay we've we've got a place that is willing to sew a prototype for us let's get this going we sat down with them and they really needed like something more concrete than just ideas in our head and and so basically the first really realistically the first year lenny's wife had this pink brother sewing machine and we we just bought some rolls of fabric and I would go over his house after his kids went to bed. So I didn't have my daughter yet. So I was still just kind of, I think I was engaged uh, at the time to my wife now. And I'd go over there at eight o'clock at night and we'd sit down and sew till midnight every single night, just doing little test things here and there. And then the next morning we'd get up super early and go hike at 6am or we'd hike, you know, after work the next day and test what we had sewn the night prior. Pretty much did that. I mean, I think four, at least four to five nights a week, I was over at his house till midnight for almost all of 2013. So it was pretty fun to like look back and just, it was a lot of work, but it was, it was super, super rewarding at the end of it. I just had a revelation. I've, I've always wanted to open a restaurant and I think I'm just going to start with an easy bake oven in my garage. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> no, I love it. Man. Uh, so you know, cool. The reality is you got to start somewhere, right? Everyone has it has these ideas or whatever and excuses to not do them. But until you, it's kind of always been my, my philosophy, just like you got to take a step off the edge and, and see where you land. Cause you just never know. You mentioned in there talking about, you know, do you decide to build in the U S versus overseas? Um, so talk a little bit about building in the U S and then also it, that closely ties into um, why EXO only sells direct and mm-hmm. doesn't have dealers and retailers. So kind of take us through that aspect of the business, especially from that early perspective of making those decisions. Yeah, so I, we definitely, I think we knew from the onset that we wanted to be a U.S. company, but we were willing to explore what it looked like to, just to make an educated decision on it. Maybe it's completely idiotic to try to build in the U.S. Is it, how expensive is it? Is it impossible to do? Is it very easy to do overseas? Obviously, our basic understanding was that you know everything's moved overseas and things are that's just how things are done and very few companies are still doing things in the u.s once we researched that talked to a few people it was pretty clear that we wanted to be in the u.s it just fit the company that we wanted to be from the very onset as well we knew we wanted to sell direct and that that allowed a lot of things Uh, one we could produce a really nice pack uh that cost a lot for us to manufacture, but also but turn around and sell that to the customer for a price that isn't completely outrageous. I mean, I, I think from the beginning, even Lenny and I thought four hundred dollars for a pack was a lot of money. And in two thousand thirteen, you know, I think obviously pricing's changed. The guys were in two thousand thirteen, you know, spending a hundred dollars on a pair of pants was like ungodly. And now with Sitka and Kuyu and First Light, that's just that a hundred dollars is cheap. You're looking at like one hundred and eighty dollars now. You know. Um, and so we knew that we could produce a really high impact and sell direct to the customer for a price that was somewhat reasonable. We didn't know what that price was. We, 
we truly had no idea what what it would cost to manufacture what you know what are your sewing costs what are your material costs but but we started going down that road and it was like i said within maybe a month or two it was very clear like okay we're going to be a u.s company um and the other thing was selling selling direct to the customer you know i think i had a decent experience running sns i was running online sales and i wanted to I was basically with that with SNS Archery. I'm, I'm a retailer, right? So I buy from the manufacturer and then I sell to the customer. And I'm the one through SNS who had the relationship with the customer. I could talk to them. I could give them advice. I could help them out with problems. You know, one thing I specialized in was just being knowledgeable about the products I was selling. And, and people really gravitate that, towards that, right? Because um, they they need help. A lot of this is buying online, buying sight unseen. So we wanted that with Exo. We wanted that relationship with the customer. We wanted to be hands-on. We wanted to provide excellent customer service, take care of them. When people had questions about fitting, we we were able to, you know, get them dialed in quickly, make good suggestions because we obviously going to have a lot of personal experience with this. When you go through a retailer, you really don't know who's who's talk who the who the person is talking to your customer. They may know nothing about packs and and how to fit them properly, and so that was. Uh, definitely just something that was really important to us was making sure that the people wearing our packs were educated um, and were helped along the way in in the fitting and and just using the pack out in the field process. I think it's such an important point just as a customer to actually know, especially if, you know, you're making an investment in a product, um, you're buying it a lot of times sight unseen um, simply because there's not dealers or retailers. Maybe you've seen an exo pack at a show or something like that, but for a ton of guys that's sight unseen based off of videos and photos and reviews and all that stuff's great. But in the end, when you want to look at doing that and you want to talk to somebody and you have questions, knowing that the people you're talking to hundred percent legitimately use the product and are very intimately involved in the product is so different than this idea of calling and just getting some random like hotline, right. Of customer support people. It's such (laughs) a big difference. Yep. Absolutely. So a a lot of that comes down to continuing to operate that way is really staying small. Um, Yes. And it's funny. It's an interesting conversation as Exo's grown over the last four or five years. Um, And there might be this perception that, you know, we're this huge company or something like that. But in the end, you talk all the time about actually staying small and wanting to stay small for very specific reasons. So kind of elaborate on what you mean by that. Yeah, I think that's honestly, as a business owner, it is my biggest challenge is to keep EXO small and managing the growth. And and how do you balance that all out? We definitely, for the very same reason that I just talked about of customer service, I want people to call and, you know, if the phone rings, like you're picking up or I'm picking up or or my sister Jen picks up when both of us happen to be out of the office. Like it's, you know, we just want, we want to have that small, I mean, we kind of call it the EXO family and maybe that sounds hokey to somebody, but it's true. Like we, I know a lot of our customers as do you, you know, people call in and we can be like, Oh, how was your caribou hunt last year? Right? Like we want to maintain that feel and, and, and that's who we are. And so he said, no matter how many packs we sell, we're always going to be that small company and, and we make conscious decisions not to grow. Uh, you know, there's certain things we're doing, um, on like not marketing certain areas and things like that to, to control that. Cause we don't want to get big. We don't, we don't want to sell, we don't want to be the company that sells the most packs. We do want to be the company that's considered, you know, to be among the best or the best pack that you can put on your back. 
part of staying small and what you've just mentioned there has to do with like the product offerings. And so why do we have this core of products and why aren't we making all kinds of other stuff that we get requests for all the time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get I mean, obviously, I get a lot of ideas and opportunities thrown at me. It's almost a daily basis. And I have to say no, you know, 99.9 times out of 100. Um, yeah, we're just trying to keep to our niche. Lenny and I started this company with solely focused on building a pack for what we're doing. And along the way, we've stayed very, very focused to that. It's funny, the only product we've done was an accessory called the horn hauler. And Lenny and I aren't shed hunters. We're just not. Our, our buddy, uh, one of our best friends, Jason, is. I leaned on him a lot for kind of designing uh, the horn hauler. But at the end of the day, it was a good product, but it wasn't, um, I don't think it kept up with the, the quality and performance of the rest of our stuff that we've done. And it's because Lenny and I weren't necessarily super passionate about it. We saw it as an opportunity to make an accessory uh, that fit well with the pack system. There's a lot of guys, you know, obviously shed hunting, but it just wasn't something that, that we were passionate about. So I think that, that, um, yeah, I keep using more of the passion, but that passion in the design of the product, uh, it, it comes from personal use, right? Like we spend so much time out in the field wearing our packs that we're just obsessive about them and keep refining and keep dialing them in to get them, to the point where we think they're as close to perfect as can be. And, and that's a, something that we're always chasing, right? By the time you finish up one design along the way, you've thought of, you know, 20 new ideas that you want to incorporate in it. So you're constantly trying to balance that out. Our main focus has always been just in simple and efficient. Like we want to keep things really, really easy to use. We went, when you're in the field, you need to be able to do things efficiently because there's, there's never, like we just want you to focus on hunting and not be worried about messing with your pack. So whether that's getting the bag off the frame to get load lo, meat loaded on, you know, because it seems no matter what the situation is, it's either too hot and you just want to get the meat on and get it out of there so it start cooling down, or it's midnight and you're doing this in the dark and you just like you're rushing and trying to get things done. Same thing goes into our bag designs of like being able to quickly get to spotting scopes and tripods and the things that you need uh, to access while you're hunting with with the main bag being designed for putting all your, you know, your backpacking gear in there that you really, you take out at night, you stuff back into the morning and the rest of the day, you never think about it. So yeah, we're, we're definitely designed towards that simple and efficient kind of motto and, and then just stick with that, uh, with that theme through everything that we do. You mentioned continuous improvement and the passion drives constant ideas. Yeah. And we want to talk more about not only in this episode a little bit, but then in future Monday minutes, some of the changes that are coming with 2019 and kind of with the next generation of pack systems. Um, but before we get into any specifics there, just what does that process look like? Like help people mm. understand, okay, so there's a new update coming to XO packs, but I don't think most people have an idea of what all goes into that. And so yeah. kind of like share some of that uh, background. And yeah. Process. We, we design, it's funny, I get emailed um, by designers, you know, that the people are out there that are designing soft goods and they ask if, you know, if we need any work or they really like the stuff that we're doing, they want to be a part of it, help us with future designs. And the reality is we design from a very, very crude standpoint. It's I, I or Lenny come up with an idea. We sew a very, very rough sample that like I would never even share a photo of because it's going to look like pretty haggard. Uh, 
And then we go out and test it. And we have this simple philosophy of if it feels good, we move to the next step. If it doesn't feel good, we go back, right? And we go back to the start. In this, that's basically this been our our approach this entire time. We started two years ago. So 2016, we came out with the K2 frame. Uh, we ran that 16. In 17, we said, okay, the K2 is performing awesome. We've got some ideas on how we can improve it. Uh, mainly focused on reducing weight from it. You know, we're always we're obsessive about weight, but we also understand that a pack has to. There's some things that prioritize over that, right? Durability and comfort are the, the first two that come to mind. Those, those have to take precedent. So as long as we can achieve what we're set, what the goals we set for those, the third thing is let's make this thing as light as possible without sacrificing those first two. Um, and so we had the K2 frame. It said in 2017, we're like, okay, we can run with this for probably a few years. It's performing beautifully, but let's start now and let's start working on the next generation. What does that look like? And we had basically this giant wide open, you know, your, your arms are uh, parallel to your sides, right? Like everything in front of you is a possibility. And how do you start narrowing that down to, to get to a final product? You know, we wanted to look at really everything and, and, you know, kind of go back to, um, I, I guess this is, I specifically remember Lenny and I, when we came out with the first pack in 2014, I think it was January when we launched that year, that we remember looking at the product and going, how the heck did we get here? Like, it's actually pretty close to our original sketched out idea, but the, the road from A to Z is a very, very windy mountain road, right? Like, you, you go way left, and then you come back right, and then you swerve a little left, and you come back right, and it's, it's definitely not this straight design line that things just flow smoothly, because we are doing stuff from a testing perspective of we design it, we test it, um, and then that, that works, so that doesn't work, and then we, we move on to the next step. Um, versus, I think, the traditional way uh, certain companies design, and, and probably more on like the REI backpacking side is a, a company hires a designer, they go, okay, we're going to do you know one, two, three prototypes. By the time we get to the third prototype, we're done, that's your product. Um, and that really, really limits you on performance. You might something that aesthetically looks great, but there's going to be little tweaks and, and flaws in the design that, that could have been improved. Um, so like I said, we take that just very much step-by-step approach to everything that we do. I've always looked at some products and wonder, you always, some things you're like, why did they do that? And <laughs> until I realized that, <clears throat> excuse me, companies actually hired designers to design something, as you kind of mentioned, a lot of times from a more aesthetic level, yeah. not necessarily from a pure function level. Um, it begins to make sense why some products look awesome, but then have certain, let's call it features or questionable features that just don't function. And then you begin to realize, oh, well, that was just like, it looks great, um, but it was designed to maybe have shelf appeal and not necessarily designed from people who are just using it extensively from a functional perspective. So that was yeah. for sure enlightening Um on some of those, as you mentioned, like different level of products than what we're talking about, but still super interesting yeah. that I didn't know about years ago. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely designed from, I mean, we fully acknowledge and realize that a, a pack or, or any product has to look good, right? Like at the end of the day, it's got to look good. Cause that like inspires confidence in the user. They feel good about something. If it's really hokey and ugly looking, 
you know, there's going to be a certain percentage of the guys out there that who could care less. All they do is focused on performance. But I think everybody, uh, at least some portion, will admit that that the stuff they want, they're using, they want it to look good. Same reason guys want, you know, a lot of guys want all their camo to match and things like that. So we design from performance first, and then once we get to the performance that we're after, then we step back and look at the design aesthetic. And if there's little things we can do to tweak that without affecting the performance, just to get, you know, a sexier line here or there, uh, then we'll, then we'll implement that. Something I've heard you say, I I feel like 800,000 times is (laughs) smart design. Yeah. Um, And tie that back to, you mentioned before, you want to pursue making things lighter without giving up sacrifices in durability or comfort um, and those attributes. So what do you mean? Like, and this is probably going to get us into talking a little bit about teasing some changes into the frame specifically, for example, but like, what is a way to design a frame smarter and save weight versus just save weight period? Yeah. So again, when we set, set out to redesign the K2, the goal was, I, I had probably 10 things listed out, but again, it was, I wanted to, we had enough data and, and the data's grown over the years because now, now it's, you know, mid 2019 and, and we've got this K2 has been out since 2016. So we have a lot of field data from ourselves and from everybody who's bought one. We get a lot of feedback. That's why we sent out that survey last year. You know, obviously we've been well along the design process, but we wanted to, to get people's feedback and kind of go through and make sure we weren't missing anything, make sure there wasn't patterns out there that, that were repeating of like, hey, I'm having this issue with the frame or something like that, or or even really highlight the things they like and make sure that we kept that in in the design. Um, and so the goal was more comfortable. Uh, durability's never been an issue, so it was basically I don't want to sacrifice. We're not going to give up any durability if we can gain some, great. But we're already, you know, it's a lifetime. It's it's jumping around here but it's it's a lifetime warranty pack and people question sometimes like the design like, is this going to be strong enough or tough enough and frankly as a company i don't want to replace it that costs me money down the road i'm building this to be as lightweight as possible but also to make sure it's going to last you you know 10 years of heavy use out in the field right um so we're designing from from that perspective of of making sure that it's tough enough and then and then lightweight comes second but the uh going back to the frame more comfortable. We wanted the skinny guys with no butt. We we had a consistent pattern of, of people talking about needing to get the belt tighter than they want to keep it from slipping. So that was an issue we wanted to address. And uh, just said durability wasn't. And then I just knew through the design process and, and new materials that have shown up through some ideas that I had that we could achieve all that stuff by just being smarter and cleaning things up, kind of trimming off the fat versus i think a traditional way if a company comes out with an ultralight product is let's let's go to thinner material let's go to thinner foam let's reduce the size of the belt you know reduce the size of the webbing and that's basically i kind of called that just cutting corners right that was an that's an easy way to save weight let's avoid that in fact we actually did the opposite with the k3 frame here we've got we got rid of all the three quarter inch webbing. It's nothing but one inch webbing on all the main straps. And then we went from one and a half inch webbing to two inch webbing on the hip belt buckles. Um, so we actually went the opposite way. We went the opposite way with the foam. It's a, it's a, we're doing a dual density foam now. So we're laminating two different foams together 
for the harness and belt. So you get a little bit more cushion performance there. Um, so it was, again, it was just about let's be smarter about this and not take the easy route of just cutting corners. Hope that answers the question. Yeah, <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> it does for sure. I'm just like chomping at the bit to get into a bunch more details about stuff, but that's a, a different episode for a different day. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the, the next thing that pops to mind is I was able to lighten up stuff by just frankly testing, um, of, of doing versions and hiking and hiking and hiking with them to see what I like could get away with. Like what are the areas where there is key stress? What areas can I, can I trim some fat off without sacrificing that performance durability? And again, that all came from a lot of five years prior of data of where, where points are and, and stress points in the pack and knowing what I can and, and can't do. You mentioned before, going back to that conversation of companies hiring designers and, you know, there's a budget to that. So you have so much money to then design this product. And a lot of times after, call it two, three, four prototypes, like you're out of time, you're out of money, your products are done. You have, I know you're going to laugh when I ask this, but how many different prototypes have existed (laughs) on this K3 frame, do you think? I, I, I mean, in the hundreds. If, if you start talking about all the different foams and fabrics and, and everything that I've tested, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them. There's the our conference room at the at the main the office for XO is I turned it into my prototype room and it is full of boxes of foam, plastic, fabric, buckles, zippers, you name it. We've gone through and, and tested like our buckles, for instance. Uh, we picked this one called the Rock Lockster. It's from Duraflex USA. It's been a phenomenal buckle we've really in hindsight have had almost no issues with it it's not your standard military buckle that a lot of companies use we we liked it for a lot of reasons it performed and it had a good design aesthetic um but we never really did early on we never did a lot of testing on it we actually took and set up like this pulley system where i strapped the you know a male female one inch buckle together and we had a pulley set up with a rope, and we're lifting up uh, 150 pounds of sandbags. And I grabbed like the top 10 buckles out there, and and tested them all because I, I wanted that data. I didn't know the the you know the manufacturers of the buckles will give you their break strength data, but you never know that maybe they're not all being tested the same things like that. So we actually physically went out there and tested it. Our our rock locker buckle came in second place uh, when you're purely just looking at strength. But then it was also the buckle that was one ahead of it was so overkill and so heavy that it's just not practical to use. It didn't make any sense. Right. I think it would add three ounces to a pack if we just swapped out all the buckles. And then we would have the issue of one thing that um, we would have the issue with compatibility. One, one thing that we, really in the design process that I wanted to do. And, and I think we've done a pretty dang good job at is making sure that we're not alienating our older customers. So everything new that's coming out from the the bags and the frames can all retrofit to older products that we've had older skeleton frames or K2 frames, or you could grab a, ba- grab, um, grab a brand new frame and keep your existing bag that you bought in 16 and put it on there and everything works pretty well. So there's just a few accessories. That was part of the design process struggle was was making sure that let's design for the performance that we want again and then look back at can we keep things compatible with stuff in the past and and again we're we are really really focused on the customer and want to make sure that we're not coming out with stuff that 
you know, that alienates them, that their their old bag is completely irrelevant at this point, and they have to upgrade if they want something new, that they, some new feature they like in the bag. You know, we don't want to force them to have to buy a new frame as well. So there's just a few few accessories that won't transfer over. So yeah, let's uh, before I dive into a whole whole another deep conversation here that <laughs> yeah, I want to. I can um, talk for days. Uh, I, it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been two years of pretty much obsessive. Every single thought coming out of my head has been about this design. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. So yeah. you out there. Sorry. No, you're good. I was just say we'll have more coming for sure. Like we want to take the time to explain more different new features and changes and why um, those specific features and changes and, and what they're going to provide. So we'll definitely have more coming on that um, in, in Monday minute episodes. Um, but just to wrap this one up, timeline steve because guys are gonna hear this yeah. and kind of wonder okay well they're talking about new stuff but what exactly are they talking about like when um so just give us the brief there yeah we're shooting to launch july 1st we're trying to be conservative with that hopefully it's a little bit sooner but that's the date i would plan on we'll have product in stock ready to ship we'll be shipping right away we won't we won't be in a a back order situation at least right out the gate if we get a more orders than we're expecting then then maybe the lead time will slip to a couple of weeks but in general, you know, we know we're pushing late in the year. The, the goal, frankly, was to to release this stuff earlier in the year. And I just wasn't 300% confident in everything. I wanted some more time to test. There had been some new materials that I had discovered along the way, and they just needed needed to be vetted further and, and really beat up and tortured and tested. Again, it's a lifetime warranty product. I'm not going to put something out there that I've got issues with or I have a single doubt about, right? This needs to be as tested and proven as it could possibly be. And anytime you go from prototyping and sampling phase to full-on production, there's going to be little glitches that show up here and there. And, and we're a company that I think we've always done a good job of addressing those as they popped up. But this will be, hands down, the most tested uh, products that we've ever come out with. It's It's been a two-year process of beating this up. We do have our uh, we'll get into it, but we've got our new frame material that's coming out that's just crazy high-strength uh, aluminum. And we've been running that for almost 14 months now in the pack, just completely beating the crap out of it, making sure that it's going to hold up and handle all the abuse that we need it to. So, it's uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun uh, fun summer. I'm, I'm frankly like, uh, as, as fun as the design process has been, I'm kind of like at this point, like, okay, it's time to move on to the next stage here of getting this stuff in production because it's it has been a, a pretty obsessive uh, thing for, for almost two years now. So, Cool. Well, if, um, obviously, you guys can stay tuned. Future episodes, we're going to talk uh, more about the design, more about what's coming, and obviously let you guys know when that's coming. At the same time, if you want to make sure that you don't miss any updates, uh, we do have kind of an email list just for these 20, 2019 updates. It'll be the first place we share information, photos, videos, fitting, sizing, like all that stuff coming. Um, that email list is going to be the first place that information goes. So you guys can just go to exomountgear.com. That's E-X-O-M-T-N gear.com. And then just do forward slash 2019, 2019. Uh, Steve, man, it's going to be exciting times. Thanks for uh, sharing some of the info. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm looking, like I said, I'm looking forward to uh, really going into with these next few Monday minutes, going into design of of why we chose the things we did, why we designed things the way we do. Really, kind of diving deep into it. Some of it, some guys like probably really could care less. They just want to put the pack on and want it to perform. And other guys are really going to kind of geek out on 
certain decisions. There's there's things that we do that are definitely different than any other pack company out there, and and I think it's what separates us, frankly. So yeah. it's going to be ex- uh, fun and exciting to kind of go into that we never have and, and cover that for guys. Yeah, and that's the beauty of a podcast. If that's not your thing, for, skip it. <laughs> yeah, skip. Move on to the next episode. If you want to yeah. listen to my voice? Jump to the next one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Monday or yeah, Monday minutes. We're going to do some of that. Wednesday, we still have just your standard episodes. So truly, if uh, if you guys aren't interested in that, we're still going to keep doing what we've been doing in terms of releasing helpful content for you guys with the full episodes on Wednesday. We're just taking some Monday minutes to do some product stuff here and uh, kind of share that journey for those guys who are asking. So we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.